Welcome to the NBA Chase Podcast presented by Babcock Hoops. And now, our host, Chase Hirschman. Hello and welcome to the show. We have a great show for you today. Today we have Alex Kennedy of Hoopsype joining us. Alex covers the Orlando Magic, is a writer for Hoopsype.com, and he hosts the Hoops Hype podcast for them as well. We're going to talk about Alex's background, his responsibilities for Hoopsype, and all things basketball coming up on the NBA Chase podcast. Alex, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Listen, we appreciate you coming on. So uh, I'm pretty familiar with your work with Hoops Hype. Um, you're a writer for HoopsHype.com, and you host their podcast. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, Hoops Hype and, and all the things that you do there. Yeah, well, I, uh, I've been a reader of Hoops Hype for a long time. You know, I grew up loving Hoops Hype. They have their rumors page, and basically, you know, every single NBA rumor or report uh, is all put in one place on the rumors page. So when I was younger and was a big basketball fan, I would check Hoops Hype every day and, you know, figure out which players were being mentioned in trade rumors, what free agent news was out there. Uh, basically, they aggregate everything from uh, newspapers, from Twitter, from different websites, and they put it all in one place. So I was reading Hoopsype almost all my life. And then, um, you know, I, I started writing about basketball uh, when I was 14 years old. Um, I actually was writing for a real GM and a few different websites, basically freelancing. I started covering some games when I was that age. The Orlando Magic, uh, you mentioned I cover, you know, I base, I'm based in Orlando, cover league out of Orlando. They were kind enough when I was 14 years old to give me a credential. And uh, they said, basically, all you have to do is bring a chaperone. So my dad actually would come to games with me uh, and cover, and I would go cover games. So I started getting experience really early. Uh, I got my first paying job when I was 17. I worked for uh, a website called Hoops World, uh, which became Basketball Insiders. And then uh, I was there for, for a while. And then... Uh, in 2016, Hoopsype reached out to me and we started talking. And, you know, I'd been a fan of the site forever. Jorge Sierra is the, uh, the main editor there. and He does a fantastic job. We started talking about me coming, you know, joining the Hoopsype team. And uh, I've been there ever since, hosting the Hoopsype podcast and uh, writing long-form articles, Q&As with players and executives, uh, and different things like that. So it's been, it's been great. I can't complain at all. Uh, it's my dream job, you know, being able to cover the NBA and tell these fun stories. And uh, Hoopsype and USA Today, uh, who owns Hoopsype, uh, it's just a great company to work for. Um, what a story, man. You're, you, I love the story with your dad. They used to take you to games so you could work and, and show up with your credentials. Uh, that's pretty cool for a 14-year-old. That's insane. I was, <laughs> I was amazed that this is a paying job. You know, at 14 years old, I'm thinking, okay, this is a great way to get into an NBA game uh, without having to pay for tickets. Because at that point, you know, going to an NBA game was just... Uh, so cool to me. So I, I learned this is a job that they actually pay you to go to basketball games. And oh, by the way, you're not sitting in the stands. You sit closer and you get to go in the locker room before and afterwards and talk to the players. I mean, it was just like mind blowing for 14 year old me. So it was uh, it was really cool. And then, uh, yeah, basically, I just kept grinding away at it. The first few years I was just trying to learn, OK, you know, what, how do you do this? Like, what is this job? I was watching a lot of the report, reporters and journalists around me and how they would interact with players. And uh, Steve Francis, I, I have to give credit to him. He was one of the nicest guys. He helped me so much. He saw, I think, because I was 14 and really kind of learning everything for the first time, how you know I, I was uncomfortable and not really understanding what I need to do. So he would do you know his post-game press conference and then pull me aside afterward and say, hey, man, you know, 
do you want to, do you want to do a one-on-one interview? Do you have any questions that you didn't get a chance to ask? You know, he'd walk with me out to, we, we'd be walking out of the arena and he would take me through the player parking lot and let me ask questions of, of him and stuff. And he just gave me so much of his time. I was so, was so kind. I mean, it, it didn't, it didn't benefit him at all. I mean, I was a 14 year old kid writing for a small website. <laughs> he was just trying to be nice and helpful, you know, guys like him and Grant Hill, uh, super friendly and just so helpful. Um, and then, yeah, over the years, I, I started kind of getting experience and uh, developing relationships with players and executives and coaches. And then when I, you know, I went to college, University of South Florida, and uh, got my uh, degree in mass communications and journalism. Um, so basically, figured out at a young age, this is what I want to do, found out it was, you know, my dream job, and then just pursued it ever since. How cool is that? And I like, I, I love Stevie Franchise growing up. Um, still probably did my favorite dunk, like in-game dunk I've ever seen, which was the, uh, you know, uh, reverse between the legs oh, yeah. know, over the head is, is still one of my favorite dunks ever done. Um, and he kind of made it big and it was the first person I'd ever seen do it to hear that, that he kind of took you in and took you under his wing and, and helped you out a little bit. Um, super cool. Didn't know that about Stevie. I did know fun fact uh, there's a photo of Steve Francis, uh, Steve Francis, the franchise on the internet at a Houston Rockets game in a Houston Rockets, Steve French, you know, Steve Francis Jersey. That's awesome. <laughs> which is if you're wearing your own Jersey to a game, it's, it's, I don't know if it's amazing. I don't know which spectrum it's at, but it's on one of the, one of the spectrums and it's pretty cool. Um, pretty baller so move. Walk- it's, it's, it's pretty baller. So walk us through like a typical work day or work week for you. How, how does that, you know, work during the NBA season? Yeah, so it varies a lot. Um, I mainly focus with Hoopsite. I mainly focus on long form articles that I'm, you know, constantly chipping away at. So, for example, some of the things that we're working on right now, uh, we have an article on Puma and their return to the basketball space. Um, and that's something that I've interviewed a number of higher ups from Puma and some of the different athletes that are signed to Puma for. Um, and a lot of that, with, when I'm doing a long form, which can be, you know, 5,000, 6,000 words, I'm, you know, trying to set up interviews for it, trying and getting on the phone and actually doing some interviews um, and then doing a lot of research um, and then doing a lot of writing, obviously, and transcribing. So I always have that. And then a few other ones we're working on, you know, what it's like to be an NBA PR person. Um, I interviewed a lot of former NBA players. And uh, one thing that we kind of found in talking to a lot of these former players is that there's a, a lot of the current players really don't know much about the, you know, former players, even legends. You know, you talk about Hall of Famers like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Earl the Pearl Monroe, Sidney Moncrief, uh, Alex English, you know, these greats that played the game, you know. Legends. Yeah, these legends, the current players don't know who they are. Uh, they, there's really a, a they're, they're trying to, you know, the Retired Players Association is trying to change that. They have a number of things they're trying to do, but all these legends said the same thing, that like a lot of these guys don't know who they are until they pull out their phone and Google them. So that was kind of interesting. So the, the point is we're always working on these long form stories and I'm chipping away at those. And then in the meantime, we put out episodes of the Hoopsite podcast and I do Q and A's with players and executives. So um, in the next few days, I'll have Q and A's dropping with Danny Green from the Toronto Raptors, uh, Ron Harper, who played for the Chicago Bulls and won a bunch of championships, obviously. Um, another Q&A dropping with uh, Brad Beal. So we, I always have you know, something that's going out each day, uh, but then I'm always working on some longer pieces too that take more time. Uh, but really, it just depends. You know, I, I wake up, 
usually I, 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 I stay up very late. I do a lot of my writing late at night. So I'm up until 2 or 3 a.m. Um, and then I'm waking up around 10 or 11 uh, a.m. Um, and that also lets me watch the I'm on the East Coast. So that, that lets me watch the uh, the West Coast games and everything, too. Uh, or sure. if I'm covering a game, uh, I live about an hour from uh, Amway here in Orlando. So if I'm covering a game, I'm getting home at 1230 or 1 a.m. So my schedule, I mean, I typically am up very late um, and doing a lot of my writing late at night. Uh, and then during the day, it's just trying to get people on the phone for interviews. Again, you know, I'll be working on three or four pieces at one time. So I may doing I may be doing an interview for the Puma piece, and then shortly after talking to another retired player for that piece. So it varies. Um, and then there's times where I travel a lot too. Like I was just in Charlotte for All Star Weekend. I'll cover the NBA draft, uh, NBA Combine, some of the big events. I try to go to all the major events. So whenever those events are going on too, my schedule uh, varies a little bit. But um, damn. It, yeah, basically, you know, I'm, I'm always just interacting with our editors. We have a Slack channel where we're always kind of going back and forth and just, you know, talking about what we need to do that day and, you know, what deadlines are coming up. Got it. Got it. Let's, uh, you're, you're a busy man. Um, so you, you mentioned, you know, the legends. Um, and it's, it's crazy to think that these guys don't know the history, right? Um, you know, certain guys like LeBron and, and, and Harden, I know uh, some of the big names, you know, make it a point to know their, know the history and know the elders and know how they got there and what they did and, and how they built the game. It's, it's really, um, uh, alarming actually to hear that some of the young guys don't know who these guys are, who, uh, I grew up watching basketball and I, my brother's a little older and, and, you know, learning from my dad and watching tape of, of all these old dudes. It's, it's, uh, I love the old game, right? I love watching Dr. J and the Sixers back in the day or, or the old Lakers or, you know, all the old great players. So, um, so you, you mentioned, you know, Kareem and Earl of Pearl and, and Alex English and, uh, tell us a little bit about your experience with some of these legends and what you learned and kind of what stood out. Yeah, it was great. Um, it's funny you mentioned LeBron. Almost every single player made a point to say LeBron is the exception that he knows so much about the history of the game and, you know, has so much respect for, uh, the guys that have kind of come before him and, uh, and paved the way for him. So he's definitely someone that has made a point to study the, the game and, uh, you know, he knows everyone at him. So it's funny you mentioned that because a lot of the guys made the same distinction. Like, you know, LeBron does not, he, he's not in this conversation. Um, he has tons of respect for his predecessors. Um, but no, it was an amazing experience. Basically, uh, I started talking to someone from the Retired Players Association a few weeks before All-Star Weekend. And they let me know, hey, we're doing this event. We're going to have some time available with different players. And they sent me over a list of about 30 names and said, you know, who would you want from this list? And then I, I basically, you know, submitted a bunch. Were you drooling? Yeah, I was like, I, I don't care who, even if it's like, you know, BC level dudes, I'd be drooling. I literally like that's crazy. My response was literally, I'll take anyone, you know, any of these guys would be amazing. I want to hear their story. I want to hear what they have to say. You know, I, and I told them too. I said, you know, I can extend my trip even, you know, because they were going to be there for a few days because they do a lot of stuff around All-Star Weekend where not only are they doing you know, they, they have the Hall of Fame announcement, but they also have their, you know, board meetings and different things in the community. So I even said, look, I can come back multiple days. I can prioritize my trip around this. Like, I, I want to get with as many of these guys as I can. Um, so they said, OK, well, you know, we're, we're glad you have interest. And then uh, they ended up setting up, I believe, the end. I believe we ended up doing nine or ten interviews um, just because it, it was uh, some of the guys had busier schedules than they initially anticipated. But um, yeah, they basically gave me 30 minutes with each guy. So um, 
It's amazing. Yeah, and that's how we got, you know, episodes of the Hoopsite podcast out of it because, you know, we didn't want to – I did some interviews that were like five, ten minutes, and we're going to run those as Q&As. Um, but, you know, cause we typically try to have the episodes of the podcast be, you know, at least 30 minutes. Uh, but, yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on the podcast, Earl the, uh, Pearl Monroe. Um, we have Dave Cowens on the podcast, uh, Sam Perkins. And then, yeah, I'm going to have different Q&A type uh, interviews coming up now, soon with uh, Alex English, Sydney Moncrief. Ron Harper. I talked to Muggsy Bogues. It was it was a great experience, and oh, I love Muggsy. yeah. The guy, I mean, the guys just have I mean, all those names. They have so much. They have so much uh, knowledge about the game. Obviously, it was great picking their brain about you know their era they played in, but then also hearing their thoughts on today's modern game, today's stars, um, and then they just have so many so many amazing stories. I would say that's the best part. You know, Kareem was telling stories about playing with Oscar Robertson and how you know he would just you know, drain shots from NBA three and no one knows, you know, that people really don't really know that about, you know, Oscar Robertson, that he had amazing range, but had he played with the three point line was around, he would have been knocking down threes because he, during practice, Kareem was saying he could just shoot from anywhere. So it was really cool to hear these stories and, and learn new things from these guys. Uh, and, and it just, I could, I could talk to those guys forever. It was, it was an awesome experience and we're, we're going to try to do that more. You know, we, we have a good relationship with the retired players association. Now um, I'm having a uh, Jerome junkyard dog Williams on the podcast here oh, cool. pretty soon. Uh, he's uh he's one of the, he's on the board for the, the, retired players association he's one of the president uh, the president of their las vegas chapter so we're gonna have more retired guys on uh, in the future too and i think that's just i think it's cool because the younger fans can learn something and the older fans can kind of reminisce and hear some cool stories that maybe they didn't know i love it i think it's super important and uh and all these guys are still around and and not that they're super old but you know it, it's a good time to kind of get these interviews and 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 bridge the gap yeah. right what was the kind of um overarching feeling on the game today from those guys from those legends a lot of them will love it you know a lot of them look at it and say they love that it's fast paced they love the three-point shooting um they have so much respect for today's stars and you know their talent uh there was a lot of them joked that you know they were born too early <laughs> when they look at today's contracts uh, well, contracts yeah yeah they, 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 and they were they were they're right yeah and it's, <laughs> i mean it's insane too and, and that's another thing i think young young fans don't know you know some of these guys were working summer jobs and you know in order to make enough money to get by you know uh so that was that was interesting to you know to, to kind of look at it that way where, you know, you have someone like Steph Curry making $40 million next year and you're talking to guys that, you know, couldn't even get by with just their NBA salary alone. So it was, it was interesting. Um, but no, I think there were a lot of them were saying, obviously the game is less physical. Uh, and a lot of them said they would love to play today's game where if you're a big man, you don't, you're not told just to go down in the paint and do one thing. You know, you can do more things. You can shoot the ball and be more involved um, they like the way that I guess coaches are being more open-minded and opening the game up. Uh, a lot of them, you know, did make it clear the game was more physical back when they played and different rules like hand checking and stuff like that changed the game. Uh, and so they, a lot of them did say, you know, a, a guy like James Harden, for example, what he's doing right now, they don't think that could have happened back in their era. So they, they, Oh, there's no way they would have beat the, they would have, they would have been fist fights before it got to like, you know, yeah five games in a row at 30 points. That's, a, I mean, they, that's what Sidney Moncrief said. They would have never let that shit happen. Sidney Moncrief yeah. said he would have been hurt. He'd be on the ground. You know, we, we would have we knocked him out of the game. And they weren't even kidding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was the main thing. Just there was definitely, uh, you know, they pointed out things are where we're, we're, are less physical and the game has changed. But they also love the way that, you know, 
today's game is played and how it's they, they love the fact that fans are going crazy about it too and that basketball is at this all-time popular uh rate basically that you know people around the world are loving basketball and they love the way the game continues to grow and evolve i love that i love hearing that and uh and and to your point like you look at guys like you mentioned alex english right alex english had i think what several scoring titles yeah and you know, no one really knows about Alex English. He played for you know played for Denver for most of his career and those cool rainbow jerseys and and that dude just put up points. And that's a, in the, you know in a le- in a league where like everyone was physical and you couldn't get to the lane and you know they couldn't travel and and you could you know you couldn't do all these things. I couldn't imagine if what Alex English would do in today's game. Yeah, and I you know what I, I mean? talked to him about that. So <laughs> like, a lot of people don't know this. This is one of my favorite stats. He was the leading scorer in the NBA between 1979 and 1991. So, I mean, he scored the most points of any player during that span. The guy was just so Amazing. consistent and so unstoppable. And like you said, a lot of, you know, it's funny. I, whenever I was doing some of these interviews, I was tweeting out to, uh, you know, the the readers and saying, hey, if you guys have any questions, submit them. And a lot of the fans were thinking, who's Alex English? You know, I don't, what do I have to say? You know, we don't have, we don't have questions for this. Who is this guy? And I'm thinking that's insane that people don't even know, you know, who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, if he played in today's game, to be able to score the way he did with that kind of physicality and basically every team knowing, okay, Alex is going to get the ball. What do we do to stop him? And they still couldn't do it. I mean, he would be a monster in today's game. Uh, and it's, it's unfortunate, you know, you, you obviously, it's hard to compare eras and, you know, how guys would do in different eras. And we're not, you never know the answer to it, but a guy like him, he's going to dominate no matter what era he plays in. He's that kind of talent. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because most people don't even know who he is. But you know, hopefully, our, our listeners know know who he is, and if they don't, go look him up. He's he was a stud, and he had that that little kind of gross mustache thing going <laughs> on, and and those really short shorts. It was it was sick. He was he was a badass. Um, so moving on here a little bit, um, you've written a number of articles related to the agent side of the business, which is a you know totally separate side. Um, it's very interesting, and it's a very cutthroat, tough business. Um, can you share with us a little bit about your relationships with different agents within the business and some of the things you've learned on on that side from covering it? Yeah, so I, I'm definitely intrigued by the agent side of things. And you know, uh, when I was when I was really young, as I mentioned, you know, trying to kind of find my path and you know build relationships with people around the NBA. Agents were a lot. You know, I, I reached out to a lot of agents and made a lot of connections there. So when I was you know 18, 19 years old and working my first paying job, I was I was cold calling and cold emailing agents. And um, I, I met a lot of them that way. And, you know, now today, I talk to a ton of agents and try to keep up with them. And, uh, you know, they obviously will make their players available sometimes. So some of it's about, you know, getting guys on the phone for interviews. Some of it's about just getting information. Uh, but then also, I've realized that uh, you don't really see a lot of articles written about the agent world. And I think with Hoopsype, one of the things that kind of separates us from other outlets is we have really diehard fans as our readers. You know, they don't just want the top, the surface level stuff. They want to know what's happening behind the scenes, what's happening, you know, in the pitch meeting, how do, you know, what's happening whenever uh, the trade deadline is a week away, you know, how are people like preparing and, and working? So we've kind of been able to pull peel back the curtain a bit and show, okay, here's what agents are doing. Here's what the players and executives are doing during this time. Uh, and the reception has been great. People have really liked to, to kind of go behind the scenes and see what that world is like. So that's been one of the reasons that we've ran some of these agent articles, just because you don't really see that side of things explored too much. Um, so we've done a number of different things now. Uh, you know, basically how they prepare for the free, for free agency, how they prepare for the trade deadline. Um, we talked to a bunch of agents and had them, 
you know, tell their craziest story of, you know, basically doing damage control for a player or helping a player. Um, we, we've done a lot of different things like that where agents have kind of opened up and some of it is on the record. Some of them are off the record because they can't really you know, give their name with some of the information they're providing. But it's been it's a really interesting world. I think it's cutthroat. Um, it's one of those things where uh, it's it would be very stressful to be an agent. I think um, obviously Matt Matt Babcock here knows all about that, and you know yeah. he's been he's been excellent with these articles too, and giving a lot of really cool stories and, and great information. But um, I think it's a job that a lot of people think, oh, that'd be great to be an agent. You know, you represent. They they kind of know the Jerry Maguire agent life and they think about what it's going to be like but then once you're actually in that world it can be crazy you have very little job security you're dealing with uh players that are that can make your job very difficult <laughs> uh and there's a lot of of uh people in that in that industry that will lie and cheat and do very sleazy things to get money um so your your peers or your your rivals i guess are some people that you know aren't the aren't the I guess they're, they're, they're somewhat sleazy and that, that, you know, I've seen that too, you know, there's certainly that in, in the agent world. So it's been an interesting, uh, you know, industry to delve into and write about. Um, but the, the feedback we've gotten from readers has been great. And, uh, it's been, it's been cool to kind of cover that side of things. And certainly there's a lot of great guys there too. You know, there are guys that do things the right way and, you know, they're that, uh, sure. that handle things correctly, but there's just a lot of characters over in that side of the, uh, that side of the, the business. Hey, it's, it's brutal and you couldn't pay me to go into that side of the business. Um, I, uh, family friends with a, a, a top, one of the top NBA agents, uh, in the world. And I've watched him lose countless of guys after putting in five, six, seven years of, of service and work for, a you know, for a player. Yeah. And then, you know, right before his contract, he leaves and then goes signs a hundred million dollar contract with someone else. And you put in five, six, you know, and there's no security on whether you keep them or not. And to me, that is like, I couldn't imagine putting in that kind of time and effort into, uh, you know, no matter what you do in life, right? No matter what you do, putting that kind of effort into something and then having someone just be like, nah, I'm going to go give my money and my business to someone else. Yeah, it's, I like, have, it's, it's mind blowing. I'd have so much anxiety about it just because, and the thing is, you don't get a year's notice or anything like that when you're terminated as an agent. You know, you get a letter in the mail or a text from the player saying, hey, I'm doing this. And then, you know, it happens. They can terminate you in an instant. So, yeah, I mean, you're putting time. A lot of these agents are putting money on the line, too. You know, a lot yep. of guys that going through the pre-draft process, they give them a line of credit and, uh, you know, they'll or the other agents that want to break the rules will, you know, start paying guys when they're in high school or college or paying their family members or whatever. So, I mean, you're you invest so much in these players. And then, yeah, you sometimes have nothing to show for it. And you know, even if you do find the diamond in the rough player that no one's talking about who climbs up the draft boards and becomes a lottery pick, you know, every other agent's trying to poach them from you. So you're constantly paranoid and you're you're on you know on guard because you're worried that you're gonna lose this guy that, you know, is going to be the key to paying your bills and, you know, uh providing for you and your family. So yeah, it's a it's a crazy industry. I couldn't do it. Yeah, it it takes a certain type of person and you gotta be able to be okay with some some you know, not great moral things, right? You have to be, you know, you have to be okay with doing some things that you wouldn't necessarily feel that good about. Um, some people are very good at that and can kind of just close their eyes and some people can't, but it's, uh, yeah, it's tough. But, um, anyway, so, so moving on here a little bit, you cover, so you cover the Orlando magic, um, and you're, you, you go to all the games and, and you're around the team. 
Um, give us a little idea on on your view of kind of where the team is currently. Obviously, they just had uh, Nikola Vucevic, uh, not Nikola Vucevic, uh, uh, Nick. Uh, Nikola Vucevic. Yeah, yeah, you did. I yeah. said that right. Right. I was thinking of Jokic for a second. <laughs> I started to confuse my my European big men. Um, so tell us a little bit about Vucevic, and uh, you know he's a pending free agent, um, and they they haven't re-signed him. They didn't trade him at the deadline. Um, can tell us about you know where where the Magic are at, where you see them, where they're building, uh, and kind of what's going on over there. Yeah, you know, I think they're they're in a good spot right now. You know, they're at the point where they're still trying to just accumulate as many young players and draft picks as possible. You know, as they as they rebuild, uh, I'm really happy for Nick Vucevic. You know, he's a guy that I've gotten a chance to know throughout the course of his career and get really close to. He was on the podcast uh, actually about a month ago, and he was excellent. Uh, he had his first child uh, in. December. Um, so he's having, I'm so happy for him and his wife. You know, they had their first kid. He's having a career year. He's a first time all star. And then this summer, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So he'll, you know, get a big payday. The timing of this is just great. I'm happy for him just as a person. Uh, for a while, the belief was that the Magic were going to trade him before the deadline because they have Mo Bamba and, you know, they thought he would be the center of the future. And with Vooch coming up on free agency, the thought was, okay, you need to get something back for him so he doesn't leave for nothing. But now there's a, you know, there's been some talk that maybe Vooch will get re-signed and they'll, you know, he's been so good under Steve Clifford and had this monster year. There's actually been talk that maybe Mo Bamba could be traded and that they'd, lead, you know, they'd build around Vooch and, and uh, going forward and, you know, try to put some pieces around him. So, uh, or, you know, sign him and then trade him at a later date. So that may happen. Uh, but right now, I mean, they just want to bring in guys that, uh, it seems like, uh, John Hammond, who's the general manager there, you know, when he was in Milwaukee, he went after guys that were long and athletic. And it seems like he has the exact same approach in Orlando. Um, Aaron Gordon is obviously a key piece for them going forward. But when you look at the guys that have been drafted by Hammond, uh, it's Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba. You know, it's, it's these, these players that have a lot of athleticism and length and, you know, are, are good defensively. So, they, you know, they made the trade for Markel Fultz, which was kind of interesting. That was the big move for them at the deadline. They're hoping that he can pan out and that maybe without being in a situation in Philly where, you know, in Philly, there were so many expectations for him and people wanted him to be that piece that put him over the edge and help them go on this deep playoff run. In Orlando, I think there's going to be a lot less eyeballs on him, a lot less pressure on him, and he can kind of take some time to develop and then we'll see what he can be a year or two from now. So I think that's the thing with the Magic. You know, this year they're, they're trying to make the playoffs and get some of these young guys playoff experience. They're trying to fight for that eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. But everyone knows this team is a few years away from, you know, making any kind of noise in the East. So it's just about developing Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba, now Fultz. Uh, Vucevic, obviously, is, is, you know, he's in his prime now, so he's having a great season. But the young guys, it's going to take some time. And, you know, they obviously need to continue to build through the draft and through free agency. So that's kind of the key. But I think everyone right now is being patient and kind of just giving it time. And then uh, the the hope is that in a few years, whenever this team, whenever these guys are all kind of nearing their prime, then they can be, you know, a group that similar to Milwaukee and what John Hammond built there, you know, everyone kind of comes together at the same time and they can make some noise. Yeah. I mean, Orlando's an interesting team, right? They, they're constantly in this like building assets, high draft, you know, uh, uh, high draft picks and getting, you know, talented players and they, they don't seem to capitalize or maximize the guys they have. Although you look at what they're doing now and it's a little different from the past, you know, Vucevic is having a career year and Isaac is seemingly gotten better. 
um, you know, better little by little. Aaron Gordon um, is having another good year as well. Um, they've done basically all this without really a point guard all season. Um, you know, a, a, a real legit starting point guard in the league. So uh, it, it's been interesting. What, what's your take on, like, if they lose Vooch, Vooch like, that's going to crush them, right? I mean, to take what your best player who you, you didn't get, you didn't resign, uh, who you, you didn't trade, and if he just walks, um, you know, that's, that could crush their team. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a risk. Uh, I, I think their hope, I think they've had conversation with Vooch and, one thing that with him is he's very comfortable with Orlando. He, you know, he loves the he loves the city, loves the idea of raising his child there. So I think they have some kind of understanding with him that you know he's open to staying. Um, he obviously is at a point in his career now where he's in his prime and he wants to be able to win. He wants to get paid. He wants to get yeah, paid. He, and he, wa- paid yeah, he wants to yeah. he wants to get paid, but he also wants to win. So that is a fear if you're Orlando that some team that's closer to contention can come snatch him away. But he does want to get the big payday. So if, as long as Orlando's willing to commit the money to him, I think he would stay because he is so familiar here and um, his family's happy here. But yeah, I mean, this is the Magic team that has already lost so many players and have nothing to show for Victor Oladipo, Tobias Harris, uh, Maurice Harkless, uh, just thinking of guys in random years they've had, or in recent yeah. years. That and those had. are all recently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they lost so many of these guys and literally have Terrence Ross to show for it. If you look at, you know, basically what all of their, you know, all the trades, the pieces that they got back, because, um, I mean, they traded away Tobias Harris for Ursano Yusova and Brandon Jennings. Um, you traded away Victor Oladipo <laughs> for a half a year. Abaka. who <laughs> left after half a year. And you got, you got Terrence yeah. Ross back. So, I mean, yeah, they just yeah. have nothing to show for so many guys that have now yeah. went on to have success elsewhere. So losing Vooch would just, you know, add to that. And it would be another player that you didn't, you know, get any kind of pieces back for. So it would hurt. But I think the relationship with Vooch, I think they've had conversations with him. Uh, I'd be surprised, I guess, if he if he just left. Um, but who knows? I mean, free agent, a lot can change between now and free agency. What's um what's the talk on Mobamba? I've heard some interesting inside stuff about him. Um, you know, he, Mobamba was a top what seven pick. He's tall. He's long. He can shoot. He, he's literally got every skill set known to man. Um, but I've I've heard some rumblings that his work ethic is below par, and that he is not exactly everything that they dreamed him to be. Is that is there any truth to that? Have you, have you heard anything? About I haven't that? heard that. You know, I've heard that you know he is going to take a long time in terms of his development, uh, just because he's really kind of a project. Um, when they drafted him, they knew okay he needs to really gain about forty to fifty pounds. That's something that's been discussed. That they want him to really gain a lot of lower lower body strength. Um, that's something that he sure. needs to do. So there were all these kind of things that they had mentioned. Whenever when they, when they drafted him, they they realized okay we need to put together a, a development plan for him, and it may take a while for him to you know be a starting caliber center. So this year he's only playing 16 minutes per game. He started just one game, and with Vooch playing so well, you know they're not putting him out there for you know long stretches. It's been really what can you do in short bursts? Um, and yeah, I mean you look at his numbers and nothing really jumps off the page. Six points per game, five rebounds per game, 1.4 blocks. I think they feel like right now, if they put him out there, if they if he was playing more minutes, he could be a, a factor on the defensive end. But offensively, he's just very far from being a contributor, being you know a guy that can really help them. So um, they're working with uh, his trainer, Drew Hanlon, uh, to put together basically a plan for the next few years 
they have him on the same plan that Joel Embiid, who's also uh, trained by Drew Hanlon. They have him. They have him on, on the same plan as Embiid. Uh, the idea is, you know, let's work on his three point shooting and his jump shot. Let's work on his post moves. Let's, you know, improve his lower body strength and let's get some weight on him. And then the hope, he, you know, he just turned twenty years old and. Uh, you know, pat this past May. So the hope is a few years from now, he'll be ready to be that dominant center. And by then something will have happened with Vooch. Either he leaves as a free agent this summer, you re-sign him and trade him, uh, or, you know, he is at the end of his next contract. And by then, you know, maybe Mo Bamba is ready to be that guy and ready to be the center of the future for Orlando. Or as I mentioned, you know, maybe Orlando goes in a different direction and and moves on from Bamba. Maybe they trade him. But they def- I definitely think that it's going to take some time with him, and, and they're they're willing to be patient with him. It's just going to be a while until he can be that you know top contributor for them. Got it, got it. Uh, well, good luck to the Magic because uh, it's it's always one of my favorite teams to watch. They're always full of uh, excitement and hype. Um, but I, I do hope that they keep Vooch and and that they keep building and doing what they're doing. And and Hammond has has done a decent job over there. So. Um, so, Alex, it, it seems like hoops hype is always evolving and expanding. Um, any new ideas that that you'd like to explore that you haven't jumped into yet, or anything that we should be looking out here for in the near future? Yeah, we have a few new things. When I was first brought on, the idea was okay. We have the rumors page, and everyone comes to check that out. But we wanted some exclusive content, so the idea was to have you know the interviews and the long form pieces, and and I, we've been doing that. Obviously, we we launched the podcast as well. The goal now is to do more video um, and more podcasts. You know, we want to keep growing the podcast and doing two to three episodes per week. Uh, we're going to keep growing that. And then the, the main thing is video. Uh, on my Twitter page, you can see we, we push out a lot of video from Hoopsite. Some of it is, you know, uh, fun facts about players. Some of it is rankings. Um, we try to do, uh, and, and also there's some new series that we have doing, uh, that we have coming. Uh, USA Today has a new series called What I'm Hearing, where I'll talk to players and executives and then give, and I, you know, a little, uh, a little bit of information that's happening, you know, behind the scenes, or I'll report something. Uh, it's basically, you know, what I'm hearing from around the NBA from different players and executives. That's a series that uh, USA Today and Hoopsype are pushing recently. Uh, so that's something that's coming. Uh, but the the it's a lot of video. That's kind of the direction that we're going in. Um, you know, we we have so much from a from an article and podcast standpoint. So kind of promoting the video going forward is a big thing. Um, so I would say, yeah, you know, we we run them on Hoopsype as well. You know, you can see the videos between. Uh, the rumors on the rumor page, and then also they have their own little separate, you know, places on the on the main page. Uh, but a lot of it is through Twitter. We want to promote the videos on Twitter, on you know my personal Twitter account, and then also the Hoopsype Twitter account. So we'll be doing a lot more video going forward. I'd say that's the probably the next step in Hoopsype's evolution. Well, that's exciting, man. I mean, Hoopsype's already a huge part of the NBA, and uh, and letting you know your everyday NBA fan get a, a better glimpse into what's happening, what's going on. I know I use Hoopsite for the rumors. I use it for um, the salary caps and the salaries for the player salaries when I'm looking at doing, you know, trades uh, for no reason, but just for my own, you know, imagination. And <laughs> uh, and to see that they're doing more video, you guys are doing more video, more content is, uh, is good to hear. Um, so we're going to do a little quick rapid round of questioning for you. So, uh, just kind of throw it out there as fast as you can. Let's uh, let's get through some of these. All right. Okay. What are what is your prediction for the NBA MVP? I'll go Giannis Antetokounmpo. I just think his stats are crazy right now. I I would pick him over James Harden. Wow. Okay. Cool. Uh, NBA champ. Uh, Golden State Warriors. I have a hard time believing anyone can beat this team in a seven game series, barring some crazy injuries. 
I agree. Okay, where are these free agents playing next season? Kevin Durant. Uh, the New York Knicks. I really think they have a shot to land him when you look at the everything off the court. I also think he wants to be the man somewhere. And if he goes there, then uh, he'll win over a huge fan base and have a chance to kind of be the guy. Uh, and I, I think he ha- he's gotten everything he wants out of Golden State. So I think New York. Couldn't agree more. I think he is gone. And someone told me this, and I thought this was fascinating, is that no matter how long Durant stays in Golden State, He'll always be one championship behind Curry and Thompson and Green, yeah. really. It's right? like LeBron with Dwayne Wade. Exactly. Exactly. He couldn't stay there. He had to go win somewhere else. So, um, okay, cool. Kawhi Leonard. Uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. I really believe that he will go there. Uh, you talk to people around the NBA and even some of the reporters, guys like Mark Stein and Chris Haynes, they've made it very clear that barring a championship or an NBA Finals, a very competitive NBA Finals, it seems like Kawhi is open to leaving Toronto. Uh, and he, I think he loves the idea of being in LA. You know, he's, he's from there. I think he wants to go to franchise too and, and, you know, lead the way. So I think that's why the Lakers haven't really been mentioned much. So I'll say right, and, and the Clippers, obviously, they've been pursuing him uh, relentlessly. They've been at Toronto games and they've been really trying hard to win him over. So I'll say I'll say the Clippers. Hundred percent agree. I think it's already a done deal. He bought he recently bought a house in California, and uh, and apparently he doesn't want to play with LeBron. So uh, you know, Clippers it is. Uh, Kyrie Irving, where's he going? I'll say New York. Um, he's a really tough guy to read. I think even he's someone that I think I think even he doesn't know yet. I think his his um, he sees sways back and forth, I believe. But I think I could see him going to New York with Kevin Durant. I think he likes the idea of teaming up with with KD. And obviously, you know, he's from Jersey. So he's, you know, from that area. Um, I could see him going to New York. I could also see him, you know, reuniting with LeBron James in LA and having that conversation or considering it at least. Um, I could see him resigning in Boston. Uh, um, he's a really hard one to read, but I'll stay in New York for right now. Very interesting. Yeah, and no, I agree with everything you said. I think he doesn't know what he's doing. And uh, he's he's really got the biggest uh, range of outcomes to me for the for any of these guys we've talked about so far. Uh, he could really go anywhere. Um, what's happening? What's going to happen with Anthony Davis? I think uh, he gets traded to the Lakers this summer um, or, or Boston. I'll say that. You know, Boston, see, the thing is, I, I really do believe that Anthony Davis – is hesitant to sign long-term in Boston. I think the uncertainty surrounding Kyrie Irving does worry him. So I think uh, if you're Danny Ainge, you're not going to give up Jason Tatum and a crazy package to get Anthony Davis if you don't have a long-term commitment from him because that that's a way to just, you know, take tons of steps backwards after, you know, building up this amazing core and all these assets that he's been able to accumulate. So I think if you're, if you're Danny Ainge and the Celtics, you have to be really careful in an Anthony Davis trade. So I think what ends up happening is even though Boston wants to land him and maybe you're willing to, you know, give up a lot to get him. I think at the end of the day, the Lakers are going to be able to offer more just because they know they have that long-term commitment from Davis. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll put the same offer on the table as they did, that they did at the trade deadline. That was reported. That was a crazy offer. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think we'll see the Lakers acquire. I think we'll see the Lakers acquire Davis and you know give up a number of pieces because if you have a LeBron and Davis core, you I mean, first of all, that's a that's a scary one-two punch, and you're going to be attractive to other players that want to you know team up with those guys. So I think the Lakers get them just because Anthony Davis is doing enough to scare Boston away and make them not willing to offer that, you know, Boston won't offer their godfather offer just because there's some fear that he wouldn't stay long-term. 
where Lakers have to because LeBron's on a short, you know, he's he's older, right? Yeah. They 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 almost have to. Is there another team cuz you know, often you hear about these uh uh, these trades, and there's always like two teams. It's either going to be this team or this team, and there's some reason it always ends up being like Kawhi. Like Kawhi's like, oh, he's going to LA, he's going to the Clippers, he's going to this, and he's like, they ship him to Toronto, right? So, like, is there another team you could see that would like take the gamble, trade a bunch of things for Anthony Davis to try to get him to stay like a smaller market that wouldn't otherwise have a chance at him, like a Portland well, or, or you know someone like that? One team that I've pointed out, and I said this on our podcast, is the Denver Nuggets. You know, they have. They're one of the few teams out there that have the assets to get a trade done for a big name like Anthony Davis. And the thought of a uh, Jokic-Davis backcourt is pretty insane. Uh, Super fun. And that, the, the worry would be, okay, you know, is he going to stay in Denver? Because you're not going to give up some of these you know, young, talented players they have um, if you're going to lose him. But if there's a team that, you know, if they, if they talk to... Rich Paul and Davis's camp, and they feel like there's a shot, maybe they get involved. Another team, too, it's not a small market, but the Knicks are a team that's obviously going to be in the mix, uh, especially if they land the number one overall pick. All of a sudden, you know, their trade, you know, the, the, the trade packages they could put together become a lot more intriguing. And then maybe New Orleans is willing to listen and have that conversation. If you can get a guy like Zion Williamson, then maybe you're, you know, you, you look at that Knicks package over something the Lakers or Celtics are offering. So the Knicks, you know, a lot depends on their lottery positioning, um, but they could enter, you know, and obviously I think the Knicks are confident if they landed Anthony Davis, they could attract a second free agent. Uh, they could, you know, a, a second star in free agency. So they could, you know, all of a sudden become relevant again. So the Knicks are a team to watch, but in terms of small markets, the Nuggets, I mean, I know they love what they're doing right now and they love the group that they have, but Tim Conley is a guy that has tried to acquire a number of stars in the past. You know, he's, he's been involved in uh, either trying to land a meeting with free agents uh, or trying to trade for some of these stars when they become available. And he's a risk taker. So you look at that core, I could I could see Denver trying to roll the dice and get involved in the Anthony Davis sweepstakes. Uh, but there's a lot of things that have to go right for that to happen. You know, you need you need a commitment from, from Davis to make it to, to really have it make any sense. You don't want to make him you know, a sure. rental. Sure. All right, who's going to be the who? Who will be the first pick in the draft? I think it's Zion. The kid is so special. You know, initially entering this year, I had a lot of questions about him. I was wondering, you know, what position he'd play. I had questions about his weight and whether. Yeah, I'm assuming you still have all those questions too. Yeah, but yeah. You're just you're you're okay with him now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I you know still have those questions, but the pros outweigh the cons, and I think you he's the kind of guy that you overlook those things and you think okay well we're going to make it work cuz he is so talented he's so athletic and i think too the big thing with him is there were you don't have to worry about you know you know you know about his athleticism you know about his talent but i think his passion his work ethic uh, his love of the game that all is there and i think that's really important you know if it was if those if you if you had questions about those things that would be concerning to me and that would be a reason to kind of take a step back and be hesitant but i do think he's someone that wants to be great he wants to maximize his potential um so i i think zion is the guy and then you kind of figure it out afterwards you you pick him and then you kind of build around him and make it work um you know maybe it may, part of it is also the fact that you look at the other guys at the top of the class there are question marks surrounding them too it's not like there's a number two guy that is, you know, uh, com- is competing with him. That is the, you know, obvious answer to to replace him as the number one pick. So as of right now, I say Zion's the guy. Yeah, I think Zion will end up being the number one pick. Um, but I, I'm not so sure he'll be the best player out of Duke this coming year. Yeah, I mean, you look at Reddish and you look at um, uh, R.J. Barrett. 
Barrett. And I love why I think those guys are going to be stars too. So I, I think the top five of this draft along with, you know, John Morant and then the, you know, whoever the fifth person is basically, I think those, those four to me are, are going to be stars. I agree with you. And I think I've talked to executives about this, about this and they say the same thing about, um, about Reddish and about, you know, Barrett, um, Barrett is someone that's interesting to me. Um, I mentioned Drew Hanlon earlier and how he's trained Mo Bamba and Joel Embiid. Well, he trains, uh, he's trained Reddish and Barrett as well. So he has a lot of interesting stories about them. He's been training Barrett since he was 14 years old. Wow. Uh, and ba- so Barrett has been playing in NBA pickup games and NBA offseason runs for you know years now. And Drew, even he tells stories about this and says, I've seen RJ not only hold his own, but shine against NBA players for several years now, even dating back to when he was 15 years old. So, I mean, this is a talented kid, a guy that can, you know, drain threes, uh, a great fit in today's modern NBA. Um, so I think, yeah, he's a guy that's very scary. And then Reddish is such an interesting player because he has so many, he can really mold his game to the players that are around him. You know, he can be a scorer or he can step back and just be a facilitator that makes everyone around him better, does all the little things. He's one of those guys that I think can fit with almost any team and take on different roles. And, uh, you you know, that that makes him very intriguing as well. So, yeah, I mean, this uh, first of all, Duke did an amazing job <laughs> with this recruiting class. Uh, but, yeah, these guys are going to be special and they, they all have really really high ceilings uh so we could it really it really depends what situation these guys go to and how they develop but all all three could be could end up being stars awesome well listen alex we appreciate having you on uh thank you for uh for taking the time and giving us so much info today uh you can follow alex at alex kennedy mba on twitter um and uh you can also follow him on hoopshype.com thank you again alex much appreciated yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, you guys are doing a great job with the site, too. I want to say this. You know, you and Matt, you guys are doing a fantastic job building up the site, building up the podcast. Keep up the great work because, you know, I know it's been a short amount of time so far, but what you guys are already doing in a short amount of time is really cool. The articles are fantastic. Uh, again, as I mentioned before, we have a lot of readers that love the behind the scenes, deep dive type stuff. And there's no better place that, to get it than what you guys are doing. Um, you guys have all lived it. You've worked in the NBA. You've you know, you're the you're the guys to go to for that kind of behind the scenes info. So keep up the great great work. Really appreciate it, Alex. Thanks again, man. Mm-hmm.